Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're living in a world that one in eight Christians are persecuted for following Jesus. That's 260 million people. And we at the church have a mission to help them. Today, we're going to talk to uh, a guest on our show who is popular around here and uh, learn about what it means to live in a persecuted context and then what should we as the church uh, in the non-persecuted world do to serve them. Hey there, welcome to The Scent Life. Uh, my name is Scott Hildreth. I'm here with uh, Greg Mathias. And so we have typically been your hosts for uh, this Scent Life podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in each week uh, to listen to us. Today, uh, we want to rip back the curtains a little bit and introduce you to the third member of our team. Uh, this is the man who makes sure that everything actually works, uh, that everything looks appealing and sounds good. Uh, want to introduce you to Nathan. Yeah, and typically Nathan is on the other side of the curtain, and that's where he wants to be, likes to be. But today, because of what we're talking about, uh, he wanted to join us. And again, he really is the expert uh, in the subject matter that we're talking about today. Uh, again, the persecuted church, uh, which, uh, Scott, honestly, uh, here in the West, uh, we don't face uh, the same amount or the same types of persecution and suffering. In fact, I would even say for most of us, including me, uh, that when I think about persecution and suffering or I hear some of those stories, my mind goes back in church history, and I almost forget that most Christians around the world, their daily experience is the things I attribute to history. Right. That's No, that's exactly right. When we think about persecuted Christians, it's easy to read the book of Acts mm -hmm. or even the early church with the Colosseums and everything else, but we forget uh, that over 260 million wow. Christians today live in a context where they are persecuted, harassed, simply because they believe in Jesus. Right. And so today's conversation, we want to uh, introduce more of that to our listeners because this is something we need to be aware of. Uh, this is something that we need to be uh, praying for. And really, there are ways that we can be involved uh, with our brothers and sisters around the world that are part of the persecuted church. Again, uh, some of the places we go to in Scripture, I think of Hebrews. Mm. Uh, you get into Hebrews chapter 11, uh, which is kind of that great chapter of faith. And we see uh, some highlights, but a lot of lowlights. Uh, then we move into chapter 12, uh, where it focuses us on Jesus, talks about persevering uh, in the Christian life. And then we get into Hebrews 13, and one of the key verses as we think about the persecuted churches is often Hebrews 13, verse 3. It says, remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them hmm. and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering in your body. That is stark. Wow. Uh, that, uh, that is a high bar for us. And so that's why we've invited Nathan uh, to be on this side of the curtain today. And so, Nathan, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, tell us a little bit about your story uh, of how you came to faith. Sure, yes. Uh, hello, and thank you so much for having me. As I'm wearing my headphone and recording right now, <laughs> it's so exciting uh, that I can talk with you, my brothers, and thank you very much for having me. I am an Iranian-American 
originally Persian from Iran. And I've been serving the Lord, working with mostly Farsi-speaking people or Persian-speaking people from Iran, Afghanistan, or uh, sometimes Tajikistan. But I was in Iran for most of my life, mm-hmm. and I, so I came here to United States uh, almost seven years ago. But before that, I used to be a house church leader, a secret one mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I used to work with uh, organizations like Open Doors mm-hmm. and other Iranian Christian organizations. Uh, so I came to Christ when I was 17 years old in a Muslim family. Mm-hmm. It's a long story, but I give you a short version <laughs> of it. <laughs> so uh, one of our family members uh, came to Christ first, and then uh, she started to share the gospel with other family members. And my mom was a teacher, uh, but we were not a, a religious type of family, okay. mm-hmm. and we didn't honestly practice Islam, mm-hmm. but my mom did, mm-hmm. and she was very strong believer in Islam. So when my aunt shared the gospel with my mom, something spiritual started in our family. And then suddenly all of us were interested in God Mm -hmm. and even in truth. So I remember one day that my aunt was talking with my mom about deity of Christ, which is a very huge topic for Muslims. So I couldn't believe that a human being Mm. is God, Mm. has deity. It was really hard for me to believe this. But as I was listening to those conversations and my aunt was using scriptures, I felt a power. And those words, I I didn't know that, but now I know that it was the power of the living word of God that was touching my heart as the young Muslim guy. And then suddenly, I don't know what happened. Now I know what happened, but I had no clue. Now I know that it was Holy Spirit touching my heart. It Mm. was the Word of God touching my heart. I remember I opened my room's door, I entered my room and uh, the light was off. And then I just suddenly found myself on my knees. Mm. And then I looked up and just said this phrase. Even I didn't have this understanding that I need to repent or what is salvation Mm -hmm. or what is repentance or what is the gospel. Mm. Only I heard that Jesus is the Savior. Only Mm. I heard that God loves me. And Jesus is God. Jesus is the Lord in flesh. And he came for us to save us. And suddenly I found myself on my knees and I just said this phrase that, Jesus, I know that you are God. Hmm. So Hmm. it was my repentance. So it was my prayer for salvation. But for sure, after that, I went to church and a pastor prayed with me and I I repented and I officially said the prayer, salvation prayer. I did all that. But that moment was my salvation. And then after that, my mom, my younger brother, and also my father gave our heart to Jesus and started our ministry in secret churches in Iran. And, you know, it's uh, really interesting that my father became a Christian two years before that And because my mom was a very strong Muslim believer, he wouldn't say that. Just they would pray for us for two years with my aunt's family and my father's side of the family. And then after two years, uh, we didn't know that, but Holy Spirit made us ready for Mm. that moment. Nathan, what's it like to be a Christian in a country where converting to Christianity is illegal? Can you just give us a our listeners, just a real picture. What is it like to be a Christian in a country where that's a daily reality? Honestly, when I want to talk about that, I get emotional. Okay. 
and also so excited and at the same time maybe sometimes so sad that being a Christian in Iran is wonderful, so exciting, so beautiful that honestly I really missed the days that I was in a secret church in a small room, even afraid of singing loudly Mm. because I also was a worship leader and a teacher, scared to be preaching with a loud voice. But yeah, it's scary. But at the same time, it's beautiful and so exciting. I have some friends that they were in prison. But when I talk with them, they say that all those prisons, even in Iran's prisons, because of our faith, was the most beautiful moments that we had with the Lord in those rooms, in those prisons or jails. So based on the Islamic rule, if you convert, they can easily sentence you to death. Wow. Mm. So it's a huge thing. Mm. It's not a joke. It's real. It's a real threat. Mm. But this is the power of gospel that even in a country that it's full of fear for Mm. Christians, you can see so many passionate Christians that they are growing, that they are sharing the gospel. And it's scary, but at the same time, very, very exciting and wonderful. Now, that's really helpful. This has been, you use the word, and and I would agree with it. It's been an emotional podcast. I mean, honestly, just hearing... Uh, the power of God in your story and your family's story, and then hearing about what uh, what you and others uh, faced and are facing uh, on a daily basis in terms of persecution and suffering for uh, for the faith. Uh, and, and so now, as we uh, when we come back from a break in, in just a moment here, uh, you said you've been in the U.S. Uh, for about seven years, and so we want to hear about uh, your experience now. Uh, you're not in the persecuted context. Uh, on a daily basis, yet you still are uh, a persecuted Christian, and but you're doing ministry now. So after the break, uh, we want to hear more about your experience uh, these last seven years. So this podcast is brought to you by the Global Theological Initiatives of Southeastern Seminary. The Global Theological Initiatives uh, seeks to employ the resources of Southeastern to benefit theological education through strategic partnerships around the world. What that means is that we uh, at Southeastern uh, have a great commission vision and mindset. Our goal is to employ and send our students uh, around the world, but it's also to help Christians Uh, around the world, deepen their theological education and their ministry training. Uh, You may not know this, but Southeastern Seminary's ministry literally reaches into uh, every corner of the world through our global theological initiatives. We have trainings uh, throughout Asia. Uh, We have trainings in persecuted contexts in the Persian world, uh, in the Muslim context. We also have trainings in Latin America. We have a Hispanic leadership Uh, development, Persian leadership development, East Asian leadership development. We also have extensive partnerships um, in Brazil as well as in African countries. So this is, this podcast is brought to you uh, by our Global Theological Initiatives. If you want to know more about our Global Theological Initiatives at Southeastern Seminary, I would encourage you to go to uh, our website sebts.edu and click on Global Theological Initiatives. You can see all that we're doing there here and around the world. There are also ways that you can uh, support this uh, financially, support it with your prayers, uh, and so we appreciate uh, all that you do 
there to help us out. So now back to our podcast as we learn about the persecuted church and what it's like to live in a context and to serve in a context uh, where your faith uh, costs so much. So in today's podcast, we're hearing from Nathan, uh, who is usually behind the curtain, but now is joining us as we talk about uh, the persecuted church around the world. Before the break, uh, we heard some uh, of his testimony of coming to faith and even his experience uh, of living in a persecuted context in Iran. Uh, But uh, he's now here. Uh, He is uh, helping us with this podcast, but he has been here in the United States for about seven years. And so, Nathan, uh, talk to us now uh, about your experience and your ongoing ministry now that you're in this context. As I said, uh, I've been always serving in uh, for the persecuted church. I was in Iran, and now I'm serving that church uh, virtually through internet. So uh, it's interesting and kind of funny that I was uh, talking with my friends that this COVID-19 situation and all those working online thing, it's not a new thing to me. Because because of the persecution, I've been doing this for sure. years. Mm-hmm. So right. I've never had a building church to go to. <laughs> so so and, we can learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And then, so I've been always in secret churches, but now uh, when I'm out of the country, out of Iran, I've been always doing ministry through online platforms, through Instagram Live, through Facebook, through my YouTube channel. So mm. I what I do... I record teachings, I record leadership trainings, and I upload them to my YouTube channel or uh, my Instagram. Also, uh, with my wife, on every Sunday, we have a live church on mm. Instagram for Persian people. Mm. Wow. And people can tune in from inside Iran, right. and they can worship with us. They can hear uh, the gospel, and it's a great opportunity. So that's why I'm really thankful for the technology, for the Internet, for mm. all these social media platforms that give me great tools to reach the people of Iran and even people of Afghanistan. I have a lot of Afghan friends and Afghan people that they can come and watch these shows and uh, these sermons and these worship services. So I have a heart for training leaders for Mm -hmm. house churches, Mm -hmm. for secret house churches. Mm -hmm. And I'm using all my experiences about, you know, security, about how to make a disciple in a, a persecuted context and I'm helping these young leaders mm. to grow in a persecuted church. And I try to, as I, I am growing, to help them grow because I'm these days I'm working on a doctorate degree in a strategic leadership. Right. And I'm using all these materials and I'm learning to mm. help these men and women of God that they don't have access to any church mm. or any even sometimes website because mm. the government of Iran has blocked all the Christian websites. Mm. So we need to find ways to send these materials right. to these people. And so basically, I work online, I serve online, and I enjoy this online ministry. Now you said, told us earlier uh, that during this coronavirus that your Sunday morning church attendance through your virtual church has actually increased. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really happy that not only me, but other uh, pastors and other ministers uh, that working with Iran, they are also live these days Mm. on social media. And all these social media platforms are 
a huge blessing for us to reach our people. Mm-hmm. And now people can join us, worship mm-hmm. with us, hear the gospel, and ask their questions. We are a real community. Sure. It's mm-hmm. virtual, but we are a real community, and it's a great blessing. So talk to us just a minute, Nathan, about how the church in the non-persecuted context can serve the church who is in, in the persecuted. We're, we're one body. Sure. I think the first and most powerful way is to pray for the persecuted church mm-hmm. and to yeah. support them, to support them with our prayers, mm-hmm. with our, you know, just by showing them our support that we are here for them. Mm-hmm. And especially if, uh, I have a heart for refugees because I am one of them. I came here as a Christian refugee. No, right. It's true that I'm not in Iran anymore, but when I'm thinking of this fact that I never can go back to my country, mm. I wow. never can meet my family again. Mm. It, it's huge. Mm. Sometimes I think, okay, then how I can help other refugees or other Christian believers that even when they are in Western countries and now they are free, but still they are under these kind of persecutions. Mm. So as uh, the Western community here in the United States, we can go and love them, Mm. the refugees, our neighbors, uh, the ones that we know that they are from a persecuted background. Pray for them, help them Mm. to even serve the persecuted communities that they have. Mm. So I think, yeah, prayer, uh, supporting them, and I think awareness, bringing awareness Mm. about the needs. Mm. For instance, whenever a Christian is in prison in Iran, when we talk about them on social media, the pressures will be less mm. because they know that we are aware of it. So wow. awareness, bringing okay. awareness about persecuted churches. Mm. Go to websites like Open Doors or uh, Voice of Martyrs or other organizations that are working with these right. people and talk about the news about the persecuted church. And when we do that, they know that we think about them we yeah. care That's and cool. also the global community can support with prayer and with bringing awareness about these churches mm. now that's really helpful and and this has been such a uh, really an encouraging and an informative uh, podcast we we appreciate everybody joining us uh, nathan in particular we appreciate you being on this side of the curtain with us Thank today uh, again to our listeners uh, we are glad you're on this journey with us on the scent life podcast uh, we do hope uh, not only that you're encouraged, but that you would pass this along, uh, this episode and others, that you would subscribe, uh, tell your friends about that. Uh, again, uh, we are God's people, which means uh, we serve a missionary God, and, and we are a missionary people. Nathan, why don't you pray for us today? Can you close us in prayer? Thank you for being sure. here. Yeah, thank you so much. And I just wanted to thank you and say God's mission never stops. And it is a huge blessing for me to be here. And thank you for uh, this invitation. God, uh, we are so thankful for your presence and for your grace and for your mercy. We know that you have great plans for all of us and you have great plans for our persecuted brothers and sisters, not only in Iran, but in all over the world. So we pray for the persecuted church. We pray for all those brothers and sisters that are suffering right now because of their faith. And uh, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to touch them, to empower them, to encourage them and to remind them that they have a great calling, a great commission, and that you are our living and almighty God, that you are with us. So thankful for you, Lord. So thankful for all our 
persecuted brothers and sisters, that they are sharing the gospel in the midst of all those persecutions and fears. And uh, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity that we can serve them. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.